Well, greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. This is episode 164, and I am your host, Rick Verbanis. And as always, I am joined by the best, and I mean the best, gosh darn co-host out there. That is Mr. Bob Lucius. Oh, Bob. Thank you for being a friend. Traveled down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that was that from the Golden Girls. It was from the Golden yeah. Girls. I'm glad you caught that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. You know, for a second, I had a little bit of a brain fart, and I was thinking bosom buddies for some reason. What was the? Oh well, okay. Yeah, buddies? I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. Not, not too far off in the time period. Yeah. Uh, Mid eighties. Yeah. Um, yeah. So why why am I doing the theme to the Golden Girls? You could say. Because we are covering a story today that takes place during the Golden Age. Uh, but more importantly, Bob, I just want to say thank you for being a friend. Because I was having a, a pretty bad week last week. And you know what, listeners? This guy here sent me a little gift. And I say little, it was very little. Uh, we're talking like real, real small in the palm of your hand, little, but it's that the smallest gifts, Bob have the biggest impact. And this here is a, it's a book. It's a hardcover book, small, tiny little hardcover book. And it's in a hardcover case uh, of Captain America. And it is uh, basically um, little, little excerpts, little uh, quotes of Captain America uh, on all these pages and in, in on one side and the other side is uh, some really cool Captain America art. And uh, Bob, Bob sent this just, you know, to cheer me up. And uh, what was the message that uh, was in the package that you sent me, Bob? I have no idea. It was something like, uh, hope I your don't... week gets better. Uh, Cap uh, signed Bucky. Oh, right, right, right. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And as you said, it's a little book because quite frankly, it was the least I could do. <laughs> Get it? Well, it was yeah, I'm, I, I was afraid you were going with that <laughs> for a little guy. Uh, but um, yeah, no, really, this uh, measures uh, the case itself that it's in measures one and a half inches by two and a half inches and three quarters of an inch deep. So it is a very tiny book. Uh, I'll post a picture of it on the uh, on the Facebook group. Um, and I'm just going to pull open uh, the book here. And I'm just going to pick a random page and get a quote from Captain America. Here we go. Toughest means of strong mind in a strong body, resisting weak thoughts and selfish acts. Nice. Yeah. And then uh, next to that is a a picture of uh, a cover. I want to say volume seven. Uh, I couldn't tell you the issue number, but it's probably somewhere in the teens. It's a uh, Patrick Zercher. Um, anyway, he's uh, charging a, a, a guy with a rifle. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's really cool. 
very, That's very cool. cool. Yeah. It's uh, very thoughtful. Wow. Uh, you also remind me how old I am because I have to get my readers out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but other than that, it's it's a it's a really cool cool little book. Yeah, and the nice thing about those is they fit comfortably in your pocket. So a little, uh, you know. I'll yeah. put it right next to my What Would Cap Do Challenge coin. Right, you have a coin in one pocket, little cap quote book in the other. If you're having a tough day, tough situation, going into a big meeting, I like to have those little totems with me. Uh, it is very thoughtful. Very, very thoughtful. So thank you, Bob, for being a friend. My pleasure, Rick. And um, so we are covering today a, a story from the World War II period, Golden Age period. Now, it's not a Golden Age story, but um, it might as well have been. Uh, and, and by the way, this is part two we're covering today. If uh, if you missed last episode, you need to you need to go back and listen to episode 163, where we cover Ghost Army part one. I mean, this is a uh, it's an original graphic novel that came out earlier this year in January of 2023, and it is a eight part story, eight chapters. We covered chapters one through four in uh, last episode, and now we're going to cover the next four. But before we get to that, Bob, uh, how's your week going? You know, it's uh got its ups and downs rick but as my my dear old mother wrote on a christmas card to me way back many years ago at least i'm still vertical yeah so any day god. above above ground right praise god for that so uh, and uh yeah so family's doing well um gosh no hurricanes down here in florida work's going well so has anybody like listened to the wives epi podcast episode and, and have given you feedback um, you mean my, my wife listened to it. Did she now? You know what surprised her, Rick? Um, she said there's ads. <laughs> what and were the ads for? I'm curious. There was an ad for Amazon. Okay. And, um, I can't remember what the second one was. Um, yeah, we get like four cents for those ads, by the way. Do we? Yeah. So, yeah. She, well, she blamed it on me. Uh, Why is that? <laughs> she's like, you know, because like when you talk about stuff, like ads pop up on your Facebook. Like yeah, yeah. She uh, she's she's convinced it's because I order so much off Amazon uh -huh. that, that now they're advertising on the podcast uh, just to try to get to me. Oh wow! <laughs> so that I order more things. Like we're in some sort of secret tryst, me and Amazon, <laughs> me and Jeff Bezos or something. So um, I I remember uh, one time I was listening to a pod one of our podcasts on the drive home from work i i, I something i never ever do but it, it was uh it might have been like um escape you know dimension z episode because i was like how am i doing those voices again because i had to like you know figure out like what was i doing so i went and popped it in i'm listening to it on the drive home and uh all of a sudden there was like a taco bell ad and i was like <laughs> what the what the heck is this Wow. And there was a Taco Bell ad. And yeah, I think we got we got four cents for that. I hope uh, that, yeah. As long as it's not that butt crack deodorant one I've been hearing on uh, I've been hearing on like CNN. Uh what? yeah, I get like I have Sirius XM in the car, and every now and again this ad comes on with this woman advertising butt crack deodorant. <laughs> so, Wowzers. Like, yeah, yeah. So I just I like uh, Bob, you, you you ever have that the, those Oh crap moments where like you're about to go into work and you you have like a report due 
or, you know, uh, you know, nightmare from being back in school and you're like, oh, I have a report due and I like, you know, you know, that, that dreaded feeling. Yeah. I just had that. About the butt crack deodorant? No, about this podcast. Oh. Bob, I didn't go back and listen to last episode. I don't know how I'm doing these voices. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a week, Bob, since I did these voices. I don't know if I'm going to do them the same. Okay, well. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You got Baron Mordo, just some sort of, I guess, Eastern European accent. Basketball. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Blah, That's the one right there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there was then there's his father, and then there there's his grandfather. Uh, I don't yeah. remember how I did all their voices. Oh no! Yeah, well, you're gonna have a lot of upset fans. I we have, we don't have fans, Bob. We have listeners. <laughs> there's a difference. <laughs> I don't think I don't think someone's gonna run into me at a at a convention. And be like, can you sign my oh, 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 arm? Oh, 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 do Mordo for me. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know uh, how your we know how your British women are. No one's gonna ask yeah, for that. right. Yeah, nobody's asking for that. So. Mm. Nobody asks for that. Although I will say, uh, Michael Johnson, um, in the Facebook group, yeah, he did defend my my female British accents. Uh, <laughs> he said, he said, you know, if uh, if you know, you would love Rick's. Uh, accents if you heard mine because i just do mine in the monty python voices uh you know which which you know yeah, yeah. i don't like spam <laughs> i'm pretty sure is how it probably goes but yeah right uh, um oh, goodness did I ever tell you the time that i was at a comic book show and uh i saw somebody wearing like a captain america thing and so i have these like little flyers that i make up about the about the facebook group and the podcast and you know just you know i'm a guerrilla marketer guy right that's what i do so so i give them out and i'm like oh you're a cap fan you know check out this right and so i i hand and before i go to hand it to this guy and he turns me down and he goes no i know who you are i listen to your (laughs) podcast i recognize your voice (laughs) i was like what (laughs) Uh, wow yeah i was like okay wow all right and he didn't want a souvenir signed handbill no and that's That's again bob listeners do not equal fans they're totally two different things i guess so i guess so we we hope we just make the show fun so that people uh just love hanging out with us that's that's the goal of the show well i'm your fan so keep up the great work well thank you for being a fan (laughs) (laughs) um uh so let's get into to birthdays bob so if you're listening to when this episode comes out if you're in the future two weeks uh because that's all every one of you i just wanted you know you're in the future Mm -hmm. uh we are in the past and uh as we record this but uh this comes out on wednesday november 29th on thursday november 30th uh, two birthdays, Bob. Uh, Robert Kirkman. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Robert Kirkman is? Uh, yeah, was that volume four or something? It was. Yeah. Uh, most people think of him as as Walking Dead creator, Invincible okay. creator. Yeah. And so on. Uh, but yeah, no, he did. He did do um like 
a few issues and to end volume four. You did a four part mm-hmm. story. Uh, it was actually Captain America volume four, number 29 through 32, which ended volume four, came out in 2004. And if anybody wants to hear that Robert Kirkman story panel by panel, uh, check out episode 97. It's a fun story that involves uh, the Red Skull. It has Diamondback, uh, a few other cool spicy villains. Spicy, too. Yeah, yeah. It was a spicy story. There is something about getting a room. Uh, no. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but anyway, happy birthday to Robert Kirkman. And then also on the same day, um, no longer with us as of this year, unfortunately, but Keith Giffen uh, was born on November 30th. Loved Keith Giffen. Uh, he was uh, one of the writers with J.M. DeMatteis, who did fantastic runs on the Justice League. You know, the the Bahaha. Justice League, uh, uh, Kevin McGuire, Art, uh, Adam Hughes, man, uh, that came out in the early 90s. Loved that series. Uh, he was co-creator of uh, Lobo um, and uh, a few other notable characters. So, um, yeah, Keith Giffen would, would be celebrating a birthday on November 30th as well. I got a, I got a tangent for you, Rick. Speaking of, being in, speaking of being in the future. Yes. I, when I was, uh, when I was a younger man, I went uh, back to school. I was in the Marine Corps at the time. I was thinking of making a transition to the FBI about the 10 year mark of my career, which is about the time when, you know, you start thinking about get, am I going to make major because mm-hmm. if you make major, you can stay into retirement. You know, it's hard to make major. So I was looking for plan B. Mm-hmm. So I, I went back to school to get a master's degree in forensic science. And at one point in this, this program, um, my instructor said, okay, uh, next weekend, uh, I, I need two of you to go with me to, um, observe an autopsy Fun down at the, you know, coroner's office at San Diego coroner's office. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. Extra credit. Sure. So I go down there that, that weekend, mm-hmm. week away you know, week and a half, actually went down there, got a guy on the slab, do the autopsy, not me, I just observe. And uh, here's the thing that always struck me is in class, when he said, I need two of you to come down to observe this. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy wasn't dead yet. And that always freaked me out. What? That, yeah, that like, when we were making that decision in class, um, oh. about who was going to go, Mm-hmm. This guy was living his life happy as a clam, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was murdered uh, you know, out on the street. So, but that just always freaked me out a little bit, right? That like, I mean, yeah, he didn't know it was gonna be that guy, and that guy didn't know it was gonna be him, right? Yeah, and yet, but and yet, I don't know. You know, it's just weird, right? That is really in, weird to think about in the future. Like, yeah. You never know, right? And none of us know. No, none of us know. Right? I, I still think about like here's some morbid thought, right? If if I pass away, right, and we record this particular podcast, right, it will never see the light of day because you don't know how to edit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just play the whole thing. Yeah. You don't know how to get to it. You <laughs> That's don't have true. access to it. That's true. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's gonna be like uh, it's gonna be like that Beatles song that just came out. Right, uh, right. Now and then, a couple yeah. Weeks ago. yeah, a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah someone someday, will eventually be Peter able to Jackson, get in there. 
Peter uh-huh. Jackson will come in and make a documentary about this podcast, you and me, and probably cobble that together, release it 25 years hence. Yeah. You know? and, and I'll be saying, I'll be saying, uh, hey, you there in the future. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you'll mean it. Ah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just weird, right? So we got to like seize every day. It's a good reminder, right? That every day matters with family and friends and things that matter to us. 100%. Oh, here's something uh, I want to share with you that I thought was uh, a little morbid. Um, (laughs) So I'm, I'm looking up my welcome to you. And of course, I'm looking up the Golden Girls theme and, you know, and I'm, I'm looking up that. So then I go down this rabbit hole and I'm, learning more about golden girls bob do you want to hear how old the characters of dorothy rose blanche and sophia were supposed to be in 1985 when the series debuted i really want to know no you know i i know i know where this is going to go because someone posted recently how old the cast of the mary tyler moore show was when it came out yeah yeah right right yeah ed asner he was like, thought, yeah, you know, uh, I thought he was like 60, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So how old are the Golden Girls? All right. So uh, Dorothy, played by B. Arthur, she was supposed to be 55. Uh, <laughs> that hurts. Rose, played by Betty White, was yeah. also supposed to be 55. Okay. Okay. Blanche, played by Rue McClanahan, 53. Uh-huh. And then uh, Sophia, which is Dorothy's mom, Estelle yeah. Getty, 79. All right. So, so yeah, they were supposed to be 55, 55, and 53, Bob. How old are you? Uh, yeah, I could be partying. I could be, uh, you know, yeah, me and right. Blanche. Now, could be now the only thing that's a saving grace for this is that at the time, B. Arthur and Betty White, they're supposed to be playing 55. They both actually were 63. Oh, Okay. So they they were older, yeah. You know, than than they you know might have yeah. looked, right? Okay. Now, Rue McClanahan was fifty one, right? Playing yeah. a fifty three year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How old do you feel now? Yeah, I know, I know. You know, I uh, I showed a picture. Uh, it was it was on my Facebook post not too long ago. It was it was the day that I got commissioned in the Marine Corps, and it's me and my mom and my dad. I had just taken the oath and they had pinned me on and and i showed this picture to my son and i said papa was only six months older than i am right now mm-hmm. when he was in this picture and he just kind of looked at me and i said let me just say it again papa was only <laughs> you know and he's like i get it you're fishing for a quote you're fishing for a compliment okay you look great okay <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> but i couldn't believe it you know so yeah, right. Yeah, so we I, look awesome. Well, we totally do. We do. In I don't fact, know what uh, it is. But... In fact, uh, well, it's it's our it's our immaturity. I that think it's it. yeah. yeah, it keeps our youthful personality. Um, you know, it's funny is uh, I was uh, talking to Megan tonight at dinner, and I was like, I'm trying to come up with a hello, you know, and yeah. uh, and then I I end up saying what I came up with was you know, and and then I mentioned the whole the thing about the different ages and uh and i was like can you believe that and she goes well no when i look at you there's no way and like <laughs> and you know look and and she she was being sincere because oh, she, she's she's okay. yeah shut up yeah <laughs> totally anyway uh, oh goodness yeah well 
where do you go from there? All right, here you go. All right, Bob, we finally got, we finally got, it's been five months, Bob. We finally got a new Apple review. Yes. No. <laughs> no. So I'm looking at the, the ratings and our ratings dropped to a 4.5 out of 5. Oh, no. Because somebody gave us a one-star review. So now I think we have two two one-star reviews now. I bet it was that German guy. No, Bob, here's the thing. I go on here and I look and on November 9th, this person must have been drunk yeah, or high or right. whatever yeah, exactly. because he, he goes on uh, about a comic book creator that we have never talked about on this show. <laughs> never maybe that's, his, maybe that's his beef no no he no. <laughs> he's talking about how how he says this person's incredibly abusive and uh they the, you know his name's attached to blah 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 like he's just going on his rampage yeah. about this particular comic book creator yeah and then give us is. a one-star review yeah and and it's like dude i we've never talked about this comic book creator on the show. We've never covered anything that comic book creator has ever done on this show. That yeah. comic book creator is not associated with any Captain America story that I'm aware of. Yeah. And we have never covered yet. Uh, he's, you know, and he's writing in all caps. It's not the best, <laughs> best, uh, best, um, let's just say grammar. Yeah. Uh, and uh, anyway, so listen, if anybody wants to check out this really bizarre uh, uh, review on Apple Podcasts. Um, please check it out. And while you're there, give us a five star review <laughs> and a review, and then we will read it here on the air. Uh, and uh, and help us out because this guy just ruined our 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 average. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's I, I think I told you I had a I had a German tourist. You can get on Google and do reviews of the different trail systems I help manage. Mm -hmm. And this guy left me a, a two-star review because um, there, there weren't any, there wasn't any wildlife, but he, he went in the afternoon in like mm -hmm. the driest part of the season where mm -hmm. like, it's hot, like wildlife don't just like show up on demand. Right. I mean, they come mm -hmm. out when it's cool in the morning and like he, he went on and on and on how like it ruined his vacation. He came Aww. all the way from Germany and this ruined his, so he took it out on me, you know, took it out on the, the uh, two, two star. And I'm like, like, this isn't Disneyland dude yeah. you know it's a hiking trail you know you get what you get right it's not like we're gonna we don't stock it yeah exactly well you know listen my my dad i mentioned before you know he he worked for dupont but his passion was uh he was uh he had a fishing boat and he took people out fishing and i was the first mate for eight years and but there are plenty of times where we would you know people pay good money to go on a boat yeah to go out right. fishing right and there have been plenty of times where you know, I well, not a lot. I mean, a small percentage, but still enough times for me to remember just being out there in the ocean and we're not catching anything. We're not getting. So my dad's like, all right, we're going to move over, over, you know, this area and see if there's fish over here. And then we're going to move over here and see if there's fish over there. And yeah, you just, you know, and yeah. it's like, okay, well, sorry, you didn't catch any fish, but you had a beautiful day out in, a, out in the ocean, right. you know, for yeah. eight hours. Right. Uh, but yeah. I hear yeah. you. I know. I know people. Huh? So, yes. Do a review. Let's get our numbers up, folks. Yeah. God, it was so bizarre. I was like, yeah, we got a review. Oh. 
All right, Bob. Should we get to the should we get to chapter five of oh. Captain America the Ghost Army? Probably should. All right. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, uh, you know, just as a quick recap, uh, this is written by the number one New York Times bestselling author, Alan Gratz, who uh, wrote some all ages uh, stories such as Refugee and Ground Zero, and then illustrated by the very talented Brent Schoonover. And by the way, uh, come back next episode. Because we're going to have both Alan and Brent on the show uh, to discuss the Ghost Army. So that'll be a lot of fun. So let's, uh, you know, as we're going through the rest of this story today, we'll have to think of some questions that we want to ask them. Indeed. Indeed. I'm, I, those guys, uh, this is a great, a great book for kids and adults so far. And I got a lot of questions for them. All right, Bob. Uh, so just picking up where we left off. Um, so we we're we're in very very early days of Captain America's or Steve Rogers, uh, being Captain America, right? Yeah. So he's like eighteen, right? And so, um, you know, he's he's out there. He he's out in in Europe right now. And uh, when we're we're in Europe, we're talking about. Um, do you remember the countries uh, that they're involved here, Bob? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the bulk of the story takes place in this uh, country called Transia, which is uh, part of the Marvel universe, 616 universe, not a real country, but it is located between, if I'm not mistaken, Romania and Transylvania. And mm-hmm. was it Hungary in the north or, or Yugoslavia? Uh, Yugoslavia, 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 which no longer, no longer exists, but, but certainly did at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and it's not too far from Latveria, where uh, Doctor Doom resides, uh, and also not too far from Castle Dracula. And then also in Transylvania is Castle Mordo. So we will. Uh, the villain in this in this story is Baron Mordo. So it's a very young Baron Mordo who ends up being a major nemesis of. Doctor Strange. You know, the interesting thing about this story so far is we're seeing a lot of characters before we're used to seeing them in, in um, you know, the Silver Age comics, Bronze Age, Modern Age comics, right? So this is this is pre-Doctor Strange, uh, pre-Kamataj, uh, Baron Mordo. This is a pre-Howling uh, Commandos, Dum Dum Dugan that we've yeah. encountered, pre-Howling Commandos, Jim Morita. 
Um, and so a lot of characters we're seeing uh, introduced very, very early on, um, earlier than, than we've seen any of them before. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, that was def something definitely we, we, we talked about in the last episode. Um, and then also, uh, just to kind of get you up to speed on the story, uh, so Cap and Bucky are confronted uh, by this ghost well, the army of army of ghosts, right? And so they realize that they can't fight them. They're not physical. So the best thing they can do is, you know, um, somehow like Cap uses his shield to to fan them away. Um, and then they realize they can't go across moving water. So that's how they escape from them. Um, as you pointed out, this is the first time Cap meets. Uh, Dum Dum Dugan, and then also you mentioned Jim Morita. Uh, he is leading something called the Ghost Army, and now the Ghost Army. Bob, do you want to kind of fill people in on on what they do? And this is actual facts, right? This isn't yeah. just fiction here. Yeah. So this was an this was an actual army unit in in World War II, and its job was deception. So they hired a bunch of uh, of. Uh, costume designers, uh, stage designers, other artists, uh, even uh, maybe comic book artists, you know, and so hired people who would basically create the illusion of, of military units. And, and so they had things like inflatable tanks, inflatable aircraft, uh, uh, things that would give the appearance of soldiers and also lou loudspeaker systems that would make it sound, um, broadcast the sound of a, of, a, of, a, of a military force in movement. Right. So you could it would sound like there was troops nearby or artillery pieces moving nearby or tanks or jeeps or trucks. Mm -hmm. So the idea was, of course, to to deceive the enemy one, either thinking that's where they want to attack or more likely uh, to avoid that location and avoid a larger force. So very effective in real life. It was used extensively in the eastern uh, um, uh, the European theater in World War Two. Uh, and, you know, we continue to use similar sorts of tactics throughout the Cold War uh, until the, the, the um, development of spy satellites. So back when we used aircraft to fly over countries, um, they used that in the United States as well, even domestically to fool uh, Soviet um, surveillance uh, reconnaissance aircraft. Yep. Yeah. Then we also get introduced to uh, a few new characters. Uh, there are some villagers. That uh, Cap and Bucky go uh, help to to protect and drive away the Nazis, and uh, one of them is an older gentleman. Um, you know, I I don't even know what to say anymore, Bob. I mean, the whole Golden Girls thing has thrown me I know. off. You hate to use right? that pejorative you know, now, right? Yeah. So, you know, I I would have placed this guy at seventy five, but gosh, now uh, now you know. The, the teenage me was watching Golden Girls, but I said this guy was 55. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. But let's go with 75. Yeah, let's do um, that. So uh, his name is Andre Maximoff. Oh, interesting name. Yeah, especially in the Wondagore area. Yeah. Um, and he has a granddaughter, Sophia. Nice recap, Rick. Chapter five, Bob. I love the smell of a good, good young adult graphic novel. 
I'm so glad you finished that sentence. <laughs> All right. So no. what do we got here? Chapter five is what titled? Ooh, ooh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Power. There you go. And there's Baskerville after Sophia and Bucky. And he's got the magic hand, Bob. Baskerville, were you in on this the whole time? No. I was just like playing for the winning team. This isn't some cricket game. This is right versus wrong. And guess which one you are, Baskerville? And then he turns his hand into a sword and he comes at uh, Sophia, but she puts up uh, a shield that she picked up from the fallen armor of the the knights that were in the, the hallway. And then Bucky picks up a sword and shield and he comes at them. So the two of them are on either side of Baskerville. But again, he's got a magical hand that can change and do things. And so he hits um, Bucky and knocks him down. And then he uh, sees Sophia coming at him and he says, I don't think so, my dear. And he knocks away her shield. And so... Um, he then on the next page looks at them and my new hand is incredible. I really am untouchable. And now it's time for you two to pay for the trouble you've caused the man who gave me this power. And just then Sophia turns, she uses a sword to knock off a tapestry off the wall who falls down on Baskerville and allows the two of them to escape. And I just want to point out this point. Um, Sophia, who worked in the castle previously, so she kind mm -hmm. of knows the ins and outs. Right. Um, she grabs Bucky's hand and leads him out of the castle. Next panel, they are far away from the castle. They're running in the woods, running down a hill. She's still leading him and holding his hand. Yeah. Interesting. It is interesting. Back there in the hallway... How did you know to, it used to be my job in the castle to whack those things clean with a broom. And I might've lost my job when one of them fell on me. And then we get to the town the next morning. How do you pronounce that, Bob? I mean, it's a uh, uh, lock cue dot. Lock sedot. Okay, we'll go with that. Yeah. So we're back in the home of Andre and Sophia. And, uh, Andre is pouring some, looks like coffee, into some mugs for Sophia and Bucky as they're warming up from their all-nighter. It was a man named Mordo. He built a magical machine that raises ghosts from the dead. And that British guy, Baskerville, was with him, Cap. Mordo's given him some kind of magic ghost hand. Wish I had some kind of super-powered hand, but I'd use it to be a hero, not a villain. Oh, a little foreshadowing wow. there. Yeah. We'll have to bring that up to Alan. I like that. Mm -hmm. Mordo was talking about his ghost machine reaching all the way to Brasov. Brasov is a city of close to 100,000 people, about 200 miles east of here in Romania. That's where Dugan and the British troops were headed to meet up with the Allied 3rd Infantry Division. That's almost 30,000 men. Where's Mordo going to get enough ghosts to fight them? I remember, Brasov, from my time as a soldier in the First World War. 
it was the site of a huge battle. There I go again, Bob. Huge tracts of land. Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it, folks. Romanian soldiers put up a heroic defense of the city for two days until the German forces finally routed them. In the end, it was a massacre. Tens of thousands of soldiers died in the Battle of Brasov on both sides. That's where Mordo's ghost army will come from. You say you broke this ghost machine, but didn't destroy it? Yeah, and there's no chance of us sneaking in again. Not with the Nazis on high alert. Well, you saved the villagers, that's for sure. And you're at least brought us some time to come up with a plan of attack. But whatever we do, we're going to have to do it fast. There's no telling when Mordo to have his ghost machine fixed. And we cut to Mordo fixing the ghost machine. And there's his ghost of a dad haunting him. Still you labor over this foolishness while your father's killer walks free? I don't know, Bob. Was that anywhere close to the voice I did before? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, I don't think most people are going to notice. It sounds like a Romanian count who's dead. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> How far off can you be? I told you. I'm not strong enough to defeat Crowley yet. But when this machine is finally at full power, the fear and suffering it will cause will give me access to more power than you could ever imagine. Power enough to... Power enough to what? Uh-oh. Grandpa came back uh, on the, the magical screen to see him, and he's talking to Mordo. Viscount Kralo. The power to what, my grandson? To defeat the enemies of the Third Reich, of course. The ghost machine is damaged. How could you let this happen? I had wards on the castle, but not on the machines. I will not make that mistake again. Well, have the saboteurs been caught? And so we see Baskerville come up in front of him and kneel. I'm sorry, Master. They tricked me. It was a girl from the village and that boy who works with Captain America. The American superhero must be behind this. And then he bows in front of him even more. Enough. Seal the entrance they used. Double the guards at the gates. Change the watches and patrols. Make sure they don't bother us again. I must be ready for tonight's attack on Brasov. And the grandpa speaks. You cannot wait for Captain America to do attack again. If there's one thing we know about here, him here in Berlin, it is that he will ruin everything. You must find him and kill him. I can't spare the soldiers. You left me with only one squadron to guard the castle, and the squadron guarding the village ran away for some reason. Soldiers? Squadrons? You think like a mundane general. We are sorcerers. You have never had the vision to become a powerful mage, Mordo. Let me show you how a real sorcerer fights. By the horary hosts of Hogwarts. And then he starts putting together um, like a whole bunch of broken armor into walking knights. My gut. Well, perhaps it's not your lack of vision that holds you back, Mordo, but your lack of power. He looks out the window out into the gate and we see... 
a dozen or so uh, just pieces of armor walking through the gates out to the village. And they are clanking and clicking along. Nice trick. Chapter six. Clash. Ah. Uh... Oh, sorry. Different one. Oh, my goodness. All right. So we cut back into Andre and Sophia's place. And we see Bucky and Sophia having a, a spar of some sort. Or he's teaching her some some fighting moves. And then it gets to a point where she get leans up back into him and she turns and she smiles inches from his face. And Bucky smiles at her. Yes, good. Again. Did Captain America teach you to fight? Are you kidding? I taught him. And then just like that, she flips Bucky and he's on the floor. Somehow, I doubt that. Yeah, no. My mom died when I was little, and I lived on an army base with my dad until he died in a training accident. And she helps him up. I am sorry. It's okay. I was little. I don't remember it much. But I didn't want to leave, so the army base kept me around. I kind of became the camp mascot. I picked up so much from the other soldiers that I was eventually recruited for covert special ops training. So you and Captain America... Is he like your brother or something? Kinda, but not by birth. Your brother's in arms. A team. But you have no superpowers, as he does. Nope. Just my dashing good looks, my crackerjack smarts, and my uncanny reflexes. And she smiles and rolls her eyes. But it's not like a, I don't believe you, rolling your eyes. That's not the expression. She yeah. is smiling. She is. There's a little so flirt, flirting going on. Yeah. So adorable. Cap's a symbol. He's the one with the big red, white, and blue target on him. Me, I'm the stealthy one. The army put me and Cap together because I could do things Cap can't. Like sneak into a castle? Yeah. Cap's not so great at sneaking. He's more of a knock-down-the-front-door kind of guy. And now that Mordo knows we're here... Knocking down the front door might be, and he looks out the window, um, Cap, what does he see, Bob? Oh, my goodness. It's that whole platoon of arm, uh, you know, suits of armor that have been animated, uh, animated by Crowler's magic, and they're marching in formation right down the center of the village street. Yeah, and they have their their swords and their shields and their maces and all kinds of it doesn't look good so the four of them exit andre's building and they're standing out front this is new they're not attacking the villagers no they're coming straight for us so cap grimaces takes his shield and he throws it and it hits two of them ricocheting and comes back into his hand and they fall down. Finally, something I can hit. And then the ruckus starts, Bob. Ooh, I like a good ruckus. And it makes noises. It does. Crunk, smash, crash, thwack. And they're all fighting along. We're taking these walking tin cans to night school. But just then, Andre 
gets hit in the back of the head full blown with a huge mace. Yeah, a spiked that's spiked, you know, those maces are spiked, Rick. So that's you know, that's gonna that's gonna take some aspirin. That's more than that. Yeah. And Sophia yells out, Moshe. And she runs over to him. Moshe? Moshe. And she's holding him crying because she knows. Sophia, your grandfather, is he? And she's just holding back. You know, the tears are coming. Cap, we have to get those guys right now. No, Bucky. Soon, but not now. I have help on the way. And so the villagers and Cap start uh, cleaning up all the armor. And who shows up, Bob? It's uh, it's Jim Morita and the Ghost Army. Hey, Captain. Got your call. Looks like you've been busy. Thanks for coming, Morita. We need help attacking the castle up there. I want to help, Captain. But frontal assaults are kind of not our thing, you know? I just need a distraction. Something to keep the guards guessing. Bucky and I will do the assaulting. Aren't you worried a castle like that is going to see right through our simple tricks? I thought about that. That's why I've called in some special equipment. And he points to the sky, and there's a plane. And coming out of the plane are some huge crates that have uh, parachutes on them. And they come to the ground. And Cap says, thought you might like an upgrade. And what is printed on the crate, Bob? You know, it appears to be Stark Industries, Rick. I think you're right, Bob. Later that day, back in uh, Andre's place, the other Marita and, and a few other soldiers are there talking with Cap. And, and Bucky is holding the hand, consoling Sophia. The ghost army is ready when you are, Captain. Captain, I got Corporal Dugan with the Allied 3rd Brasovs on the radio. Dugan, Captain America. We found the machine that makes the ghosts, and the guy who built it is going to use it to raise an army of World War I soldiers in Brasov tonight. Bucky and I are going to try to put a stop to it, but you've got to find a way to hold out until we can shut the machine down for good. We'll do our best. But Cap, there's no river in Brasov. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, that uh, creates a difficulty. Bucky, we have to hurry. Sophia, we could use your help up there, but I'll understand if you can't come. No, my grandfather's mother died while he was off fighting in the First World War, and that never stopped him. I'll fight too, for Moshe, for revenge. And they're outside, and they all get on a motorcycle. And uh, they uh, they get on the motorcycle, and Cap looks at Sophia. You all right? No. Okay. And then they speed off, Bob. And you could tell uh, you could tell the motorcycles are 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 moving because why? Because they have a cloud of exhaust behind yes. them. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is before. Before they uh mission standards, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Chapter seven. Entrances. So it's nighttime at uh Castle Mordo, and 
not only because remember he said he wanted more guards so now we have we have a couple tanks bob uh inside the gates we have soldiers and then uh the grandfather of mordo comes through his little dimension portal baron mordo my grandson i have come for the final demonstration is the machine prepared yes and have you put up magical wards to protect it this time? I have. As you can see, nothing but stronger magic can get through this barrier. And then we have the, the dad who's haunting him as a ghost. Now, do it now. Avenge me. Kill him now. Not yet. Grandfather, if you just stand here in this circle where you'll be the safest, you'll also have the best view of Brasov where the ghosts of Germany's past failures are about to come back to haunt the Allies. Let the show begin. And he pulls down a lever. And next thing you know, in Brasov, where Dum Dum Dugan is there and, and his allies, and all of a sudden, a lot of army of ghosts show up and they're glowing green. And they do look older, Bob, because they're more decayed and they're wearing World War One uniforms. Right. A lot of them, uh, a lot of them have those uh, those Kaiser helmets, right, with the with the, the single spike on the top of them. Indeed. And one of the soldiers starts firing at him and Dugan puts uh, the, his pushes his rifle down. I told you bullets and bombs don't do anything to these things. Hit the fan. And in back of one of the trucks, they turn on this giant fan and it blows away the apparitions. Ha! It's working. How many of the things we got? I don't know. Maybe like five for the whole city? Son of a ghost. I hope Cap and the kid have our backs. And we cut back to Castle Mordo and the three motorcycles. And they are running up the, uh, the entranceway to the gate. And, uh, of course, everybody sees them and notices them. And Cap pulls out a, a big old walkie-talkie. And he he says, Marita, if you've got a rabbit to pull out of your hat, now's the time to do it. Oh, I think we've got something a little better than a rabbit, Captain. Okay, boys, time to fire up our ghost machines. And sure enough, they've got all these uh, electrical screen doohickey very large panels type of thing and they're hitting levers and twisting dials and and next thing you know the uh the the baskets that are floating in the hot air balloons above um they get all uh, fire up with electricity and marita says let the magic show begin and we turn the page bob and it's a double page splash what are we looking at we're looking at monsters rick we got a lot of monsters very very large monsters um that are uh they look like ghosts uh actually but not green ghosts uh, gr uh bluish ghosts mm -hmm. and uh yeah and and they're on the other side of the gates they're on both sides of the gate to be honest with you yeah and it was really cool bob is uh there's a lot of different monsters here, different types of monsters, and many of them are recognizable. 
-hmm. And so we've got the werewolf. We've got classic classic ones like like the werewolf and Frankenstein's monster and Dracula and, and a mummy and a uh, creature from the black lagoon. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but, but then you've got some ones that are definitely Marvel, yeah. right? So you have Sauron, which is like that pterodactyl, mm -hmm. right? One. Yeah. You've got, uh, you've got man thing, right? Yeah. Uh, did I ever show you my giant size man thing? Uh, maybe, maybe another time. Okay. Uh, and then you've got um, Fing Fang Foom, mm -hmm. who is a, um, uh, you know, like a dragon type of creature. And then um, one called the, the Living Zombie, which was a, a character, from, I think, from the 70s. Definitely he was in the 70s. I don't know when he, if he started that or not. Um, and so the uh, Cap is hitting something. That is like a, a time bomb and he throws the time bomb in front of the uh, the gate and it blows it up. And then uh, it it actually knocks the gate down on top of a tank and it creates a ramp that the three of them very stylistically jump over the ramp uh, with mm -hmm. their motorcycles. Oh, I don't know, 40 feet in the air. And then, uh, of course, they all land perfectly and uh, screech to a halt. And Bucky says to Sophia, see what I tell you, Cap is a knock down the fr front door kind of guy. And then, of course, they're all fighting. And Sophia asks, are they real? The monsters? Holograms. That's what Marita calls them. Some trick of Starks. They look real, but they're just harmless cartoon ghosts. And they're not going to fool the Nazis for long. We need to move. First one to the ghost machine shuts it down for good. And they split up. Cap goes one way and the kids the other. And then we cut back to brass off, Bob. And uh, the ghosts are being blown away, literally, with those fans. And then somebody gets a, uh, a hose. And they're firing a hose to create water. We've run out of water. Retreat. Retreat. There's too many of them. Whatever you're doing, Cap, you better hurry it up, or there are going to be a lot more ghosts in this city by daybreak. Cut back to the castle, and uh, Cap's making short work of some German soldiers with his shield, and he gets on his walkie-talkie to Bucky. Buck, you getting anywhere? No, we're still fighting flunkies. We got to move faster. Every second of we waste here is another second Mordo's ghost army kills more people in Brasso. We've got to find a quicker way to the top. Let's take the elevator. The elevator? It's a dumbwaiter. They use it to send food up from the kitchen. And, uh, Bob, what's a dumbwaiter? Can you explain it? Yeah, it's like a, it's a mini elevator, Rick. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I've been in like old hotels where they've had them. Um, and so, you know, usually there's a little tiny little door and you open the door up and, and, and the dumbwaiter might be, you know, a couple, couple feet square. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, usually, um, you know, there's a pulley system. And so they can bring food up to your room from the kitchen by putting mm -hmm. it in the little, little elevator car and, uh, and sending it up to your room and, beeps and you open the door and pull out your food. So it's not big. 
Mm. Right. It's not designed to transport people. It's for food and laundry and those sorts of things. Uh, how would you like when you say not big, like what size? Maybe you're like two or three feet square. So, yeah. OK. So yeah. when Bucky says. There's no way we'll both fit in there. And then Sophia goes and she squats in and she grabs Bucky's hand. But but. And then the two of them get cramped into, you know, next to each other, got legs intertwined, arms intertwined, face to face. OK, Romeo, start pulling. <laughs> Bucky's got a big old smile on his face. <laughs> Probably not the only thing he's got. That's right. Yeah. And then um, we cut to next page and Cap is battling uh, a bunch of German soldiers and then Outside, he sees the the holograms of Fing Fang Foom and some others. Taking the elevator sounds like a good idea right now. Sorry, fellas, I don't have time to mess around. And he throws some soldiers. Hope this works. And Cap goes running towards the window, and he's and he's being fired at by machine guns, and he's evading them. He he's four stories up, Bob. Yeah. And he busts out of the window and it crashes down below. What is it? Uh, it's a uh, it's a, um, a trailer, a container trailer um, with a fuel tank on the back. Uh, yeah. Full of fuel uh, gasoline. Yeah. 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 And so he he we have four panels, roughly, uh, you know, the same size on this page so we're seeing the same angle but we're just all the only thing different is seeing cap doing his thing and so we see the glass break out of this window in the first panel second third fourth you see the glass and cap uh falling further down and but what cap is doing in the second panel is he takes his shield he throws it with velocity strength and it hits the fuel truck down below in, in the third panel. Then it ricochets back up and it causes an eruption in the tank, which causes an explosion. But the, he, the shield is ricocheting back up to him in the fourth frame. He uses that to put the shield down underneath him and then uses the blast to repel him on the next page, this huge uh splash page right um and it, it it ricochets him and propels him further up so he was on the fourth floor now he's going through the window of the fifth floor and i know bob you just want to make a loud noise <gasps> and then the next page and he lands where does he land bob Oh my goodness! Right in the middle of the Baron Mordo Laboratory, where Indeed. the ghost machine is located. Yes, and there's there's the the three generations of Mordos there. And Baron Mordo says that was quite an entrance. And Cap throws his shield, hits the magic that's around the grandfather, and it ricochets back. He goes to punch it knocks him back no bullets no bombs not even your amazing shield captain can penetrate this magic barrier you have lost brassoff it's already started 
Shut it down, Morton. You're playing with a power you can't control. Oh, but I can control it, Captain. Just long enough to tear a hole in reality and free Doramaru from his imprisonment in the dark dimension. Who? And then both the grandfather and the father look at Mordo. What? Carl, no. Nikolai. And ju at just this point, I guess because the father spoke, uh, the grandfather can now see the ghost. Nikolai? So you're behind this mad idea to release Doramaro? No, never. Carl, Doramaro is too powerful. If you let him through, he will destroy everyone and everything in this world. I can't let you. What? And just as he was about, to, the grandfather was about to cast a magic spell, there's, he can't, there's something around him. Because, you know, remember he was told to stand in a certain spot? Hey, yeah, that circle. Another force field? Mordo, release me. Did you really think I cared about you and your dreams of Nazi conquest, grandfather? I just needed your resources, your equipment. What I want is revenge. You killed my father, Crowler, stole his magic. And while I may not be powerful enough to have my revenge on you, the Lord of Darkness, the Eater of Souls, is. And then you you see in the in the room like uh, some sort of breaking through like a barrier something's cracking open from another dimension and then this sound makes a rumble in the dumbwaiter what is that i don't know but we gotta hurry and we turn to the next page is a giant splash page one big panel and we see the eye of dormammu this, dear father, is why I have wasted my time tinkering with this toy. Now at last, I will finally have the power to defeat our enemies. The terror, the fear, the deaths, the ghost machine causes in Brasov, all that psychic energy should be enough to open a door to the dark dimension and that the dread Dormaru into our world. Oh my. Dun, dun, dun. Bob, we got one chapter left and has been building up to this are you ready chapter I, eight i'm ready revenge all right so kicking off this chapter and we cut to uh sophia and bucky getting out of the dumbwaiter into a dark room looks like a library last stop looks like some kind of study and then Sitting in a chair in the dark room, someone clicks on the light, Bob. Who is it? Oh, my gosh. It's Sir Anthony Baskerhand. I mean, Baskerville. Welcome back. It's time to finish what we started, don't you think? And Bucky, what, what do you call that expression when someone puts a, a fist inside their palm, you know, and... What is that? I don't they... know. I don't know what the technical name of that is, but uh, I like this panel. I like that he looks determined that he's like, yeah, all right, we're going to finish it. Yeah, he's just snarling almost, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Bud, you took the words right out of my mouth. And Bucky kicks a rolling chair 
uh, at him. Uh, but uh, Baskerville just uses his magic hand to create a uh, little, what do they call those wooden horses, you know? Uh, what do they call those things? Uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a wooden, it's a wooden horse, right? I mean, yeah. it's for like when you use them for construction. Right. And then he um, destroys destroys it. And then Sophia comes kicking. Buck comes with his knife at him. And he just uses a shield to block them. Next page, gigantic splash page, one panel. He has a gigantic bear claw that is coming at them. You can't possibly hope to defeat me. This hand is born from Mordo's magic. The stronger he is, the stronger it is, too. I am finally well and truly untouchable. Run! And then he uh, uses a mallet and hits Sophia pretty hard in the midsection. And then he gets a, uh, uh, what do you call it? It's not a pitchfork, but it looks like a, a trident. Yeah, and, tried it. Yeah. And uh hits that at Bucky, knocks him back. And then just then he, Baskerville goes over to finish off Sophia. We turn the page. What? Oh, twist. There's a glowing hand coming from his his uh his his torso from the other side. Somebody's reaching through and Baskerville falls and who is it bob it's Moshe andre maximoff yeah he's a deceased he's a ghost but he's he's glowing green Moshe, and she runs towards him wait don't touch him his touch it didn't hurt you it appears it only does what it does that when i want it to but Moshe, how mordo's ghost machine it brought me back, just like the others. I suppose that means I have unfinished business in this world. And as Bucky is tying up Baskerville, we all do. Is he dead? No, but he may be more useful to us alive. Come on, we got to find Cap. And he picks up Baskerville over his shoulder. Next page, giant splash page one panel it is Doramu uh coming through from the other side he's he's his upper torso's through so he's he's making his way and you know how would you describe Doramu yeah well i mean he's 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 ginormous obviously rick and he's got almost like a jack-o-lantern head uh, mm. you know, it's kind of a combination between a jack-o'-lantern and a, and a Baron Zemo. So it's a, like a striated mask that looks like a pumpkin, but without the stem. And he's got that jack-o'-lantern mouth and the jack-o'-lantern eyes. And he's got a purple, uh, purple, his clothes are purple with orange gloves. And, uh, in this particular image, uh, he's got fire coming out of uh, like hell and brimstone, apparently coming off his head out, out of his uh, the top of his uh, his shirt. Uh, it's coming off his back, uh, crackling energy all around him. Uh, and as I said, he's he's ginormous and he's reaching down toward Cap, who's got his shield up, uh, trying to hold him off. 
Yeah, very nice. And did you mention that his head was on fire? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I am almost free. And Cap uses his shield to hit away Doramu's hand. It's like pounding on vibranium. I can't hurt it. And then we're seeing over in, uh, was it Bassoff? Baskoff? Baskoff? Brasov. Brasov. Okay. Cap, Cap, are you there? We're losing, Cap. It's Dum Dum Dugan. Mordo. And um, then uh, Mordo's dad. Carl, stop this insanity. All my life, you have haunted me, needled me, commanded me to avenge your death. And now, at last, at the moment of my ultimate achievement, you would have me stop? If it's just as you want, I can help you, Mordo. You don't have to hurt anybody else to make Crowler pay for his crimes. No, Doramu may destroy this world, but he has promised to make me prince of what survives and to kill my dear grandfather first. What are you doing? Have you gone mad? If I can destroy the floor, send the whole contraption falling into the basement. There's no time. Doramu is almost free. Ha, 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 Next page. Doramu's coming through. And Buck and uh, Sophia and Andre the ghost show up. Looks like we're late to the party. Bucky, get out of here. The ghost machine is shielded by magic, and Mordo is using it to let a demon into the world from another dimension. I am no demon, mortal. I am a god. Well, that's worse then. Get everybody as far away from here as you can, Buck. I got a better idea. And he brings over Baskerville, whose hand's still glowing, Bob, even though he's unconscious. And he unties him and then uses his hand to break Mordo's containment spell. No, stop. Next page, giant page flash, one panel. The magical shield, it's going down. Cap, hit it. And then just as Cap gets his shield ready, who's, who gets in front of him to stop him, Buck? Oh my gosh, it's, uh, it's Sophia. No, I just got my grandfather back. If you destroy the ghost machine, he'll be gone forever. Please. Sophia, I have to do this. People are dying in Brasov. A giant monster is breaking through into our reality. And then, just then, Andre comes over to talk some sense into Sophia, his granddaughter. No, my dear. We must let the ghosts of the past stay dead and buried. That's what keeps getting us into trouble. This constant cycle of revenge. We must stop injustice where we find it and hold those responsible accountable. But then we must move on. You must move on. That is the only way. And she gives him a hug, realizing it's true. Cap throws the shield at the uh, 
at the the ghost machine and it hits it ricocheting causing an explosion bob boom ba boom no no and just then the grandpa goes away in his uh, little escape portal and he's shaking his fist like he's going to get revenge we turn the page double page splash bob it is one gigantic panel taking up two pages and it is a big explosion and it makes a noise no and then we see the next page from the perspective of the ghost army with Marita, they see the explosion on Wondagore Mountain. And then we cut to Brasov, and there's Dum Dum Dugan being the hero, helping people over a wall to get away from the ghosts, leaving himself vulnerable. But just at the last second, the ghosts pop away. Next page, giant one-page flash. We have a castle in ruins. And Cap's standing there at the edge. And there's Bucky and Sophia. Bucky's consoling her. It's over. Cut to the next page. The next day in Loxiadat. Yeah, I think Loxiadat. Oh, okay, there you go. And everybody's uh, packing up. Dum Dum Dugan's there, shaking the hand of Captain America. Thought we were goners for sure. Looks like I'm going to owe you one forever. And Marita comes up. Can we keep all the Stark tech? Dressing up like a general is fun, but I wonder if we could create a fake one, like a life model decoy. Whatever you need, Jim. Couldn't have done it without you. Life model decoy. Is that supposed to be the first time we uh, think about that? I think I think this is. This would be chronologically anyway. I think that's the first time it's mentioned. And then we cut to a page that's devoted to Bucky and Sophia saying their farewells. So I guess this is goodbye then. You could always come with us. I mean, you're a good fighter. No, I'm going to stay here. Help my village recover. And then when the war ends, I'll go to university, like I promised my grandfather. But I will keep fighting in the local resistance. Not for revenge, but for freedom. Farewell, Bucky. And she kisses him on the cheek. And she walks away. How is it I fight to save a whole city, and you're the one who gets the girl? So listen, kid. I didn't think you should be here. But you're good. You and Cap make a great team. Thanks. I look forward to fighting alongside you again sometime, Buck. And he salutes him. And Buck salutes back. Same here, Dugan. So then Bucky walks over to Cap, who's kind of standing just propped up against a, a well. Well, I never figured us on fighting wizards and ghosts. Yeah, strange stuff. We need a sorcerer like that on our side. Now that's a, I like that, right? Yeah, right. We need yeah. a sorcerer on our side. Strange stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Nice, nice play. Little uh, play on words there, Alan. I like that. We'll have to bring that up to him. Yeah. Think you're still out there somewhere? Mordo, Crowler, Baskerville? With all that magic they were throwing around? I think we can count on it. Next page, we go to Mount Wondergore. And we see Baskerville with his glowing hand. Now, if he's got hands glowing, doesn't that mean Mordo's still alive? That's exactly what it means. His other arm is in a in a tourniquet, and he's walking up a snowy mountain. Mordo must still be alive if my hand is working. But where is he? Then we cut next page, and we see Mordo. And he's in the woods, far away from the castle. It's in the in the background. And he's sitting there next to a river, contemplating. So close. I was so close. And then his dad appears, the ghost. You are a fool, Carl. A weak, pathetic fool. Striking a deer with Doramu, the dread one, the eater of souls. You're lucky to be alive. Doramu is too powerful. The cost of his bargains too great. How else was I supposed to avenge your murder? Crowler knows all the magic you once knew and more. There's one who can teach you. Go to a place called Karamataj in the Himalayan mountains and find there a man called the Ancient One. Now that's interesting, right? Yes, so that's, that's how Mordo gets his magical powers, right? He goes to the same place that eventually Dr. Stephen Strange goes to. Yeah. Then we cut to the very last page. And it's our heroes. It's our heroes, Bob. It's Steve and James sitting on the back of a moving truck. And you could tell it's moving. Why, Bob? Because it's got exhaust. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go with the... No, this is the dust coming up from the dirt road. Oh, you're right. Yeah. 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 They have their masks off as they're sitting there on the back driving away west out of transia towards yugoslavia on to the next mission cap you ever think about what we'll do after the war's over where's this coming from sophia she has plans for what she's going to do after the war i never thought that far in advance i just take things one mission at a time but we won't be doing this forever will we no of course not We'll win eventually. We have to. And the war will end. And then what? You think they'll put us on ice? No. There will always be other problems we can take care of. Just as long as you and me are still fighting the good fight, Steve. Side by side. That's all I care about. Of course, Buck. We'll always be there for each other. And anybody else who needs us. The end. Wow. We that's, think they'll put us on ice. That's, that's a nice foreshadowing. We're a bit bittersweet as well, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely has some twists and turns in that relationship. All right, Bob. So uh, we took two episodes to cover this. Uh, what did you think? What are your thoughts on the story? Oh, it's a great story, Rick. You know, it's 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 not too, you know, 
look, it's lighthearted in ways, you know, it's serious in other ways. There's a lot of great historical context, but it's just a good romp, you know? It's a good, fun story that anybody can enjoy, whether it's uh, for young adults, whether it's for older adults. Uh, anybody can really get into this book. There's something for everybody. Immature so, adults um, like us? Immature adults can enjoy it as well. Um, yeah, and I could see, you know, I have a 13 year old. I could see, you know, him liking parts of this if I could ever get him to read the damn thing. Mm -hmm. But I think he would enjoy it. He was in here before we started tonight and he's like, oh, the ghost army. And I'm like, yeah, I think you'd like this. You know, you should give it a shot. Yeah. So, well, definitely, yeah. definitely a target audience. Um, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the story as well. I think, um, you know, it's a, it's a nice, it's always fun reading uh, like prequels, if you will, right? Like this yeah. falls underneath a, a prequel. It's almost like, you know, I don't know, uh, Star Wars prequels. I know that's a trigger for some people, but, um, you know, or anything that is, that came before, you know, like, I don't know, um, you know, uh, Harry Potter, right. It's the, the, the magical beasts or whatever, right, right. you yeah. know, just, you know, that yeah. stuff always, always fun for me. Cause, yeah. cause you, there's always nods to what comes in the future. Yeah. Um, and seeing how things happen. Um, I, I know some people maybe don't like that because, you know, they just want to, um, they leave some things to, to mystery they, they, yeah and they, or they want the canon to be the canon right they don't want right. anybody tinkering around with uh what's that word retconning or yeah, you yeah, know, yeah making any adjustments god knows we've had some some great stories uh or great episodes about retcons here yeah uh in fact uh we we, we did a nice little two-part series of uh captain america retcons so we did the top 10 other cap retcons uh, so part one was in episode 84 and part two was in episode 89. So if you like retcons and you want to hear more about our thoughts on the top 10 Captain America retcons that are not the ones you you're thinking of, right? Like just Avengers four and bringing back Bucky for winter soldier, but, but the other ones uh, that was, it was fun, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, but you know, I think Alan did an amazing job of just subtle, Right. Like there right. Were, were no really retcons here. Yeah. Um, unless you want to talk about, you know, I don't know, the first time Cap and and Dum Dum Dugan met. But but uh, I'm not a big Howling Commando guy, so I, I don't really remember technically when they first met. And so um, I don't know if that was ever really truly addressed or admitted at the time. Like, oh, this is the first time. Well, you know, I mean, Sergeant Fury thirteen, right? Wasn't that the? Uh, yeah, that was yeah. sort of the time they they made the pitch that this was their first time. Okay, working together, but but I think there've been other stories since that have. Yeah, but this was the but but this was Dum Dum Dugan before he met. Yeah, Fury. So it's it's it could very well have been anyway. But I I think it's subtle. Yeah, you know these these you know, it, vis, revisiting these characters in their earlier days. I, I think it's pretty subtle. And um, so I enjoyed that aspect of it. And uh, I, uh, but even if you didn't know that stuff, just reading the story by itself, I think was, uh, was, was, was fun. Yeah. And I, I love, uh, and you pointed this out along the way, we talked about at the beginning, how, how Alan plucked these obscure characters from, 
from you know MCU, um, not MCU, the Marvel Universe 616, right? Baskerville, Merida, guys that hadn't been in a lot of books or Crowler mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and gave them a little more depth, a little more complexity. Uh, and who, 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 what, who doesn't like that, right? Um, I think that's great. I love the challenge of that. Must be great for, uh, for a writer. I, I look forward to asking him that because um, I, I got to think that as you know, when you're given a project like this, to be able to to reach out and grab any character you want, maybe, and try to add a little bit of extra, a little extra oomph to that character, and yeah. then have that be a bit of your legacy in the Marvel mythos. That's that's got that's got to be cool. It is. You know, I thought Brent did a, a nice job with the illustrations. Um, has a little bit of a Steve Rude look to it, uh, maybe a Chris Samney look mm -hmm, to it. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, nice, nice style. Um, and I, I'm sure it was really challenging for him too, with um, you know trying to be authentic to the time period of you know the military look, the civilian look, um, the the vehicles, the weapons. I'm sure there was a lot of research done on his part. So looking forward to talking with him about that too. All right, Bob, you go first. Uh, what is your favorite panel Ooh. from chapters five, six, seven, eight? This is going to be an unusual, Rick. Probably not the one that you expected of me, but it's those two last panels on page 103. And you and you mentioned this as you were doing your read through. It's the one, the left side is Bucky. The right side is Sophia. She's rolling her eyes at Bucky. And I, and I just love this uh, because this is, after all, a young adult uh, graphic novel designed for kids, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, right at that time when they start to get interested in each other, but they don't really know how to uh, talk to each other yet. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's these romantic sort of feelings, but there's also a lot of awkwardness. And I love this because these two panels like capture that perfectly and i gotta think for for young adults who are reading this they're going to see a lot of themselves in these two panels and and i think that's that's the mark of a great writer and a great artist is to be able to get the readers to to connect in some way and alan you know i i, I you know he's he's written a lot of books and they're designed for this audience and they're designed so that the reader can put themselves into these heroic sorts of you know characters positions and I think a lot of readers, they'll see the adventure, they'll see the heroism, but they'll also see that little bit of teenage awkwardness that we all feel at that age. I love it. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy that panel as well um, with her rolling her eyes. But again, with that smile, it wasn't like a mocking. It was more of a, like, I think you put it very well, awkwardness. Yeah. So what do you got, Rick? What's your uh, What's your favorite panel? Well, Bob, you know me. I'm a sucker for the shield ricocheting. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, page 128, uh, the last panel, uh, panel four. And it's when Cap's in the castle. Classic. Yeah. And he's on the walkie-talkie talking with Buck. And he's paying attention more to the conversation with Buck than he is with threat that's coming at him. And so he's not even looking. And right. he's just tossing his shield behind him, not even looking, hitting a wall, hitting a soldier, knocking him out, hitting a wall, 
ricocheting back into his hand. And, and so we don't even see the motion of Cap throwing it. We just see the motion of his hand extending, waiting for the shield coming back. You know, yeah. with like a no look. I love it. I love it. Yeah, he's not even looking in that direction. He's too yeah. busy talking on the phone. Yep. Yeah. I I I that's my favorite panel. Yeah. I mean, it's great, you know. It's, it's, most people can't talk and and chew gum at the same time or walk and chew gum and and he can talk on the phone and and effectively pinpoint precision throw his shield. Beautiful. So yep. what about a t-shirt, Rick? You got anything you want to uh, A few page a few pages later, I'm going to go with page 133, the first panel. And this is after the fuel tank explosion that ricochets him up into the fourth, fifth floor, he comes crashing through the window. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you so aptly did the sound effect. <laughs> um, but he's got his shield in front of him as he's going through the window. And so he's tucked up behind it. He's got his legs curled, his arms, his back hunched, um, so he's, he's more like a ball coming through the window. Um, that's pretty cool. I like yeah. that. I, yeah. Good action. Putting that on the t-shirt. Love it. Nice, nice selection. How about you, Bob? What's going on your t-shirt? I'm going with the panel at the bottom of page 106, Rick. So that's the one where we've got, uh, we've got Bucky and Andre Maximoff and Sophia Maximoff standing behind cap and, uh, and you see, uh, him, Cap standing in the foreground a little bit. He's got his right hand clenched in the mm -hmm. fist. And then he's got his left hand up and he's catching the shield as it comes back. And of course, it had just knocked out three animated suits of armor. And he says, finally, something I can hit. And I, I love that whole panel. Uh, I love the look on Cap's face. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I love the look on Bucky's face because he's got he's making a fist and he's just enjoying the show there. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to, yeah, I think I'd like that on a shirt. Yeah, that sounds good. And what are you going to put in your time capsule? Well, Rick, I thought long and hard about this. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a nostalgic guy. So mm -hmm. I went on, on page 128. Mm. Um, yeah. And, Ooh. And, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm going for? I'm going, yeah. I'm going for the handy talkie. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of folks would call that a walkie-talkie, but back mm -hmm. when this was uh, first fielded in 1941, the uh, SR-536, otherwise known in uh, Army nomenclature as the Bravo Charlie 611, was called the Handy Talkie, mm. uh, and it was first issued to paratrooper troops. So effectively, it was a, a walkie-talkie like uh, radio receiver transceiver. Or was it a droppy-talkie? Yeah, because they were coming. They're paratroops. Yeah, I guess if like you weren't holding on to it, it would be a droppy talkie. Yeah, if it slipped out of your hand. Maybe it's a floaty talkie. <laughs> they don't float because you know why? Because with batteries, each of those weighed five pounds. Oh, so you imagine lugging that around, right? So by the time the troops hit uh, the beaches of Normandy, uh, they had about I think six of these issued to every uh, rifle company. So mm -hmm. uh, they were the main means of, of communication among different platoons and the headquarters section and the weapons platoon. Very, very important weapon produced by the company that would eventually become Motorola. 
So that's mm. cool. When you think about cell phones development over the course mm -hmm. of, of the mm -hmm. last decades, this company, uh, Motorola, was the first to put these out. And I think by the end of the war, they had fielded something almost like 143,000 of these to U.S. troops. So very important uh, piece of gear. I think it's awesome that uh, uh, Brent was able to, uh, to incorporate this into... Uh, the story in such an accurate way that it can be so readily identified. And, uh, but it also, you know, I, I've been in the field these days and now they use basically, you know, we still use radios out there in the field, but cell phones actually are much more prevalent now. They're highly encrypted, of course, and, and satellite cell phones, the, the days of these sorts of heavy radio walkie talkies are long gone, but uh, it's an in interesting nod to a piece of technology that was important, but is no longer with us. So that's going to go in my time capsule. I like it. I like it. Well done. And nothing, uh, I you know, as a 25-year Marine veteran, I, I, I expect no less from you, Bob. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, I, I always learn something from you. Yeah. I also like the word, I like the, 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 the nickname Handy Talkie, because... I don't know. Sounds like it could be like a dirty movie thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> bound chicka bound bound. Did I get a handy talkie tonight? You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and Rick, what's your time capsule? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Bob. I I'm going to go five pages prior to this. Ooh. It's the double page splash one twenty two one twenty three. And that is all of the monsters, uh, yeah. right? Yeah. Because these are these are classic, classic monsters of that time period. Yeah, you know, from the cinema, you have, uh, you know, the werewolf. You have Frankenstein's monster, and but you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, these these definitely are part of a particular time period. Yeah, uh, and so uh, I I I think this is pretty cool and i'm gonna and I, I i can't wait to ask uh whose idea what were these monsters was it alan's like did he did he say i want these particular monsters in here yeah or was it brent did he go oh he's asking for monsters these are the monsters that i want to put in here right. and, and if so why yeah you know well, uh i can't wait to ask that question yeah yeah that'll be interesting to figure out there beautiful good choice all right. So, yeah, if we haven't said it enough times, come back next episode where we talk to the writer and illustrator of this particular graphic novel. Um, so, Bob, we have some really cool stuff coming up after this. Uh, I can't wait to talk to people about what is happening um, over the next four weeks after this. Let's just say we have some pretty cool guests and a debut of a new series that we're going to explore yeah and we're going to hit the 60s we're going to hit modern time and a little bit in between and then at the end of all that rick santa's coming yeah oh bob you know what we have to do our three-year anniversary show yeah we should do a three-year wow anniversary show. We yeah you know and we during our three year anniversary show we're gonna have to tie it into the holidays again like right mm -hmm. like I know the first year we did like um, best and worst Captain America gifts yeah right oh, and yeah. people people called in and and said this is 
you know, what, uh, what they enjoyed and what they, you know, you know, wanted and didn't. And then our second year anniversary show, we did what would, what would be your dream cap gift? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've, I've got an idea, Rick. What about, um, you know, we, we focus outward instead of like what we'd want or what would be our gift or the worst gift we could, we could maybe like, what would we get like a cap fan in our life? Right. Somebody mm. that we know who's a cap fan as well. And uh, what would we, if, you know, what would we get them if money was no object? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. If only I knew a cap fan. I know. Mm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm unfamiliar. I'm going to have to look through my Rolodex. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's an idea. We'll, yeah. we'll have to think if that works. But yeah, we'll um, let's do that. Episode 167, Bob. Mm-hmm. It'll be our three-year anniversary and we will tie it into the holidays as uh, we have every time um so that's that's coming back in three weeks from now so that'll be fun because it's perfect timing it's uh that'll come out december 20th love it excellent all right well as always bob it has been so much fun wrapping cap with you Uh, it has i can't wait till next week rick you are my golden girl bob (laughs) (laughs) All right. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. And you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fans podcast. Thank you for being a friend. Nice. All right, Bob. Uh, in Golden in the Golden Girls, uh, who would you be and who would I be? Ooh, ooh, that's a tough call. Uh, well, who was Betty White again? Uh, Betty White was Rose. Uh, yeah. She was kind of like a little, little dim-witted. Yeah, I you probably know? I probably want to be Blanche, but I'd be Rose. <laughs> so, the way things work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you play you. Sometimes you you do play Rose mm-hmm. in your role in the show. Sure. Yeah. You know, you yeah. you do. Who doesn't love a Rose? Uh, everybody loves Rose. That's the yeah. thing, yeah. and everybody loves you. So yeah. I think that's perfect. <laughs> uh, what about me? Who? Which uh, would I be Dorothy, which is B, B author, uh, Blanche, Rue, McClanahan, or would I be Sophia, the the the, the mom? I, I think you're a Dorothy. Right? Yeah? Yeah, you're a take charge sort of guy. I think Dorothy. I didn't she, like her, though. She no holds, one really liked her. Oh, I like Dorothy because she held, she held that whole group together. She was the glue that held them all together. You know, Blanche was out getting drunk. Yeah, Rose didn't know what the hell was going on. Sophia just came in for wisecracks every now and again, but it was Dorothy that, you know, kept that, kept that whole team together. So, uh, I guess if I have to be one. Yeah. But All right. Pretty cool in real life. And then there was, was Maud. I think she was a, a Marine. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I do. I think she was a, a woman Marine at some point. So... <laughs> Yeah, Maud, right. Yeah. Spinoff, right? 
Yeah, Maude was a spinoff of Archie Bunker, right? Yeah, was it Archie Bunker? I can't remember if it was Archie Bunker. Oh, that was Rhoda. I'm thinking of Rhoda. That was Mary Tyler Moore show spinoff. Yeah, yeah. Archie yeah. Bunker had yeah. spinoffs of Maude and then Jefferson's. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, Gloria. Yep. Yeah. And then Archie's Place. Yeah, Archie's Place. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I was, uh, you know, where I work out at the crew field station, it's uh, it's owned, the land is owned by the water management district and they own the building, but they rent the building, I guess. It's a triple wide trailer. So it's me, my staff, the Fish and Wildlife Commission staff has a couple of biologists there. And then the land management folks have three guys there. But they've, you know, we've got a couple outbuildings. They've got a lot of tractors, trailers, and it, it's. But I, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. It drives me crazy mm -hmm. um, because there's rusting stuff all over the place and piles of wood and materials. And whenever anyone comes out there, I Damn always that make wood. I always make reference to the fact that it reminds me of, of Sanford and Son's place. <laughs> bow, jump, bow. Yeah, right. I want to do the theme. Is like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but nobody nobody gets that reference you know i had one guy today they're coming who, to take me <laughs> that's right they had a guy today who got the reference uh and he was older than i was so oh, okay yeah that's the only reason he got the reference but nobody wow else. and he still works well no he's one of my volunteers <laughs> ah i got a funny good one yeah yeah uh so because you know you're old yeah i got that yeah, yeah. okay 